But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believes in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Matthew 18.6 On the 22nd of May 2017, Salman Rabbanan Abedi, a 22-year-old British-born citizen born of Libyan parents, parents who had been granted asylum in the UK, detonated an improvised explosive device murdering 23 people and injuring over 150 others. Many of those killed and maimed were children. At the time I naively believed that surely this, the mass slaughter of teenage girls, would jolt the masses out of their apathy. I was wrong. I also believed that the thousands of children groomed, some even murdered by Muslim gangs across the towns and in the UK, would enrage the local population into action. Again, I was wrong. I was so wrong that I learned that an 11 year old girl was found partially clothed and intoxicated, surrounded by a group of sober Muslim men, yet the police decided to arrest the child instead. Only in February of this year, a large scale grooming gang of asylum seekers, men from Kurdish, Afghani, Egyptian, Moroccan, Turkish, Pakistani and Iraqi communities were arrested on the grounds of abusing multiple underage girls in Glasgow in Scotland. Operation Sarar was kept under wraps by the police in Scotland. Yet it came to light after an investigation by a newspaper south of the border in England. What is one more prominent common denominator behind these events? The answer is largely unacknowledged. The answer is the lack of genuine outrage. Recent legislation is forthcoming in Ireland to legalise the mutilation of a child's body to suit the agenda of radicals and degenerates in the transmania that has invaded the West in the last decade. While children of similar age are incapable of making decisions about what course they might want to take once they complete secondary school, suddenly they are given this amazing ability in maturity when it comes to a life-lasting alteration to their body and mind. This year also marks the murder of 6,666 little babies. 98% of those murdered were for purely social reasons. But the reality is 100% were killed out of convenience. A baby with reduced life expectancy wasn't allowed to live for their lifetime of a few days or a few hours even. But not on account of the baby and how the baby might suffer, but because of the hassle and turmoil to the parents. We have already seen one innocent, healthy baby murdered because of misdiagnosis, a tragedy that the parents will sadly forever be scarred with. But they too were involved in that decision, albeit on false information. They did, however, agree to abort what they believed was an imperfect baby. As if there is an imperfect baby. In the UK alone, 209,000 babies were murdered by abortion in just one year, 
last year. 209,000. Let that sink in. Black Lives Matter, the far leftist scam movement who claim they denounce the killing of innocent blacks, are also replete with the same people who disproportionately murder more innocent black babies than any other race through an organisation called Planned Parenthood, whose founder Margaret Sanger famously declared her support for the extermination of blacks through eugenics. We see far-left Democrat Governor West Virginia Norton promote infanticide. So too do far-leftist academics like bioethicist Peter Singer of Princeton. Over the last number of years, we have had the increased sexualization of children the most prominent being preteen Desmond is amazing, who was paraded in an LGBT march gyrating in a provocative manner surrounded by homosexual men cheering him on. One notorious paedophile openly labelled the child hot. The litany of evil doesn't stop there. We have the pushing of porn literacy by people like Kate Dawson in Ireland, who labours under a false dichotomy that children will access porn so it is better that they are educated about what they access. One could equally say that children will be surrounded by drugs, so we may as well educate the children in how to take heroin responsibly. The real answer is, why not make porn inaccessible by children? But Dawson, or Dawson rather, doesn't contemplate that answer. The latest debacle involves Minister for Children Roderick O'Gorman. Apparently, the prerequisites for being handed a government portfolio for children now demands the office holder to be a homosexual, given the last two consecutive appointments at least. O'Gorman has been fending off charges with the usual far-left tactic of crying homophobia. But what does O'Gorman stand charged of? He's been accused of being associated with Peter Tatchell, a British LGBT zealot who infamously said some unsavoury things about sex with children. Tatchell and O'Gorman have of course retreated to the usual refuge of plausible deniability. However, to think that a person with O'Gorman's education and activism within the LGBT movement was unaware of what Tatchell had said in the past beggars belief. Many non-LGBT persons, including myself, were aware of the reputation of Mr Tatchell. Yet, a homosexual academic who welcomed him at a LGBT people parade was not. Tatchell, of course, says he was misinterpreted, that his entry into a paedophile pamphlet was an error, as he didn't know the purposes of the publication. A typical tactic. Side note, O'Gorman attended the same high-priced private school and is an institution with a Protestant and Anglo ethic as one Leo Veracker. King's Hospital, Palmerstown, Dublin. The O'Gorman scandal will blow over. Why? Because the public, in my eyes at least, don't care about the children. And they haven't for a long time now. The leadership of Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael played monumental roles in the murder of innocent babies. So this is mere consistency, if anything. And Fine Gael and Fine Fáil, and the Greens in fact, who all supported abortion, at least leadership level, with Fianna Fáil, are now back in government. 
Sadly, I am not near finished. Worse still is the growing legitimization of paedophilia amongst academics. Professor Ken Plummer, now Emeritus Professor of Sociology at Essex University wrote, The isolation, secrecy, guilt and anguish of many paedophiles are not intrinsic to the phenomenon, but are derived from the extreme social repression placed on minorities. Plummer was trying to co-opt the usual victimhood status that, apply, that applies to all minorities. And as a sociologist, he engineered this victimhood status towards or tried to paedophiles qua members of a supposed oppressed minority. He went on further to say that paedophiles are told they are seducers and rapists of children. They know their experiences are often loving and tender ones. They are told that children are pure and innocent devoid of sexuality. They know both from their own experiences of childhood and from the children they meet that this is not the case. This is the type of drivel and evil comment that we see emerging from academia today. Tom O'Carroll, the former head of the Paedophile Information Exchange and a convicted child sex offender, was at the Cambridge event in 2012. He wrote on his blog afterwards, it was a rare few days that I could feel relatively popular, he said. He went on further to say, it is the quality of the relationship between child and adult that matters. If there is no bullying, no coercion, no abuse of power, if the child enters into the relationship voluntarily, the evidence shows there need be no harm. Again, this is the propaganda we hear emergent. The conference held on the 4th to the 5th of July in 2012 in Cambridge saw academics give presentations under the title Liberating the Paedophile, a discursive analysis and danger and difference the stakes of hebephilia. Hebephilia is the sexual interest in pubescent individuals aged 11 to 14. Philip Tromovich one of the presenters gave a presentation entitled The Prevalence of Paedophilia and this was considered the most controversial of the Cambridge Symposium. The professor Tromovich who lectures at Doshisha University in Japan claimed that the majority of men are probably paedophiles and hebephiles and paedophilic interest is normal and natural in human males. Psychologist Glenn Wilson, co-author of the Child Lovers, a story of paedophiles in society, argues that the majority of paedophiles, however socially inappropriate, seem to be gentle and rational. There is a growing conviction, notably in Canada, that Paedophilia should be probably classified as a distinct sexual orientation like heterosexuality or homosexuality. Two eminent researchers testified to the effect to a Canadian Parliamentary Commission and the Harvard Mental Health Letter of July 2010 stating that paedophilia is a sexual orientation and therefore unlikely to change. The danger with classifying paedophiles I would argue within the sexual orientation taxonomy is that it invariably leads to demands for equality. 
This is the gateway employed by homosexuals, who in 1973 agitated to get homosexuality removed from the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, the go-to reference for mental health professionals. This removal, this measure, wasn't informed by science, but by political action of gay activists within the psychology and psychiatric field. The vast majority of sexual violence is committed by people known to the victim, stresses Kieran McCartan, who was a senior lecturer in criminology at the University of the West of England. Only very rarely is the danger from the stranger in the white van, he went on to say. Social perceptions do change and promoters of paedophilia are quick to remind us all that child brides were once the norm. We hear of kings of the past being married to 12 year olds. Who can forget that Muhammad was wed to a six year old and didn't have relations till she was a very old age of nine. And of course in the late 16th century the age of consent in England was 10. Go back further and well cavemen used to drag their partners in by the hair and to have their way with them. It doesn't mean it was right then, nor now. This is called the fallacy appeal to the past. Just because something wrong happened in the past doesn't validate the same action in the present. Campaigning organisations of the 70s and 80s such as the Paedophile Information Exchange, PI, and Paedophile Action for Liberation were active members of the civil liberties organisations. When the civil liberties made parliamentary submissions questioning the lasting damage caused by consensual paedophilic relations. In fact, some notorious Labour Party members who were working with civil liberties organisations who had associated with PI were people like Harriet Herman. The Guardian newspaper was, of course, quick to denounce the accusations by Conservatives. Denouncing by association, they said, was unfair. But there is no doubt now that there are many in the left have openly supported these nefarious, pernicious views. In November 2014, one of the current heads of the Green Party, Simone Petter, told reporters that she was deeply sorry for her party's past stance and apologised once again to all victims of sexual abuse that might feel trivialised. It had been revealed that one of the party's leaders, Jürgen Tritton, had signed off on a 1981 local party platform, arguing that sex between adults and children, in some cases, should be legal. Tritton quickly acknowledged they'd made a mistake, blaming it on an oversight. Now where have we heard that one before? But conservative political opponents were quick to describe the Greens' actions as repulsive. This came on the heels of other revelations which had prompted the report in the first place, that another senior Green Party figure had once written about his flirtations with children while working in a kindergarten. Academic Kieran McCartan has used paedophile activist Tom O'Carran's book Paedophilia, The Radical Case as a teaching aid to illustrate how sex offenders try to justify themselves. However, most often than not, much like 
the LGBT bandwagon, it isn't necessarily the perpetrators themselves who are pushing the agenda. In a TEDx talk in 2018, Mirjam Aina, a German medical student, gave a presentation on the subject of why our perception of paedophilia has to change. Heine used an appeal to emotion to curry sympathy for a subject, a man she had met during her studies. Arguing on the basis that the attraction was immutable, she tried to claim that the paedophile was himself a victim. However, the danger of this approach is, as I've said before, is that it adopts a similar tactic employed by the LGBT who sought to desensitise behaviour. And once behaviour is normalised or desensitised, it becomes, it removes itself from a place of opprobrium to one of acceptance and now glorification. And if that happens to paedophilia, then all bets are off. Our children are a Nazi. Child protection agencies and many who work with sex offenders are worried about the emerging trend amongst academics. Broadly speaking, in the world of people who work with sex offenders here, in relation to paedophilia, that paedophilia is learnt, is a learnt behaviour. So said Donald Feindlater, Director of Research and Development at the Lucy Faithful Foundation, a charity dedicated to preventing child sexual abuse. There may be some vulnerabilities that could be genetic, but normally there are some significant events in a person's life, a sexually abusive element, a bullying environment, I believe. It is learnt and can be unlearnt, said Find later, as regards to paedophilia. Find later says the notion that a seven-year-old can make an informed choice for consensual sex with an adult is just preposterous. It is adults exploiting children. Another academic called Good said, children are not developmentally ready for adult sexuality, adding that it was intrusive behaviour that violates a child's emerging self-identity and can be similar in long-term impact to adults experiencing domestic violence or torture. In counterpoise, a Dutch study published in 1987 found that a sample of boys involved in paedophilic relationships, inverted commas, felt positively about them. And a major, if controversial, 1998-2000 meta-study suggests, as J. Michael Bailey of Northwestern University, Chicago says, that such relationships entered into voluntarily are nearly uncorrelated with undesirable outcomes. Then again, when I mentioned the Dutch study, this is the same country that has a party for neighbourly love, freedom and diversity, or the charity Freedom and Diversity Party, which was founded on the 31st of May 2006 by three self-described paedophiles. Similar in outlook to NAMBLA, the National Association Men Boy Love of America. Chris Wilson of Circles UK, which helps release offenders, also rejects the idea that paedophilia is a sexual orientation. The roots of that desire for sex with a child lie in dysfunctional psychological issues to do with power, control, anger, emotional loneliness and isolation. However, this hasn't stopped the far left from again persisting in its 
legitimization of pedophilia. The far left publication Salon tried to sell a contributor as a virtuous pedophile. What next? The virtuous rape fantasist, perhaps? The virtuous serial killer wannabe, maybe? This is but a psychological ploy by the left to desensitize and reframe evil into good. Much like we see today when semi-clothed men in LGBT parades are permitted to perform sexualized acts in front of children today. Or how everyone must now salute and genuflect to the rainbow flag. Drag Queen Story Hour, omnipresent pornography, the mutilation of children in obeisance to the trans ideology, the over-sexualization of children in movies and adverts and popular culture. This is now becoming the norm in our society. While paedophile priests were rightfully condemned, to the point of Hollywood celebrating the movie Spotlight, a director, Roman Polanski, who admitted raping a 13-year-old girl, received a standing ovation by the same Hollywood set who would have denounced the Catholic Church. It wasn't rape rape, declared the far-left feminist Whoopi Goldberg in describing Polanski's vile admission. Ernest Hemingway said, All things truly wicked start from innocence. Innocence, as in apathy, naivety or best intentions, have shown to have matured into undeniable evil. In a world where the innocence of children is traded for appearances of ideological fashion or sold for political or capital gain, or indeed exchanged for docility as peace and quiet, is nothing but a market for evil. Alexander Solzhenitsyn said it best. Let evil come into the world. Let it even triumph. But not through me. We all have agency. We do not have to participate in this evil. This is not a society I wish to be associated with. And I ask others to raise their standard. To unite the clans and be prepared for persecution. The tyrant dies and his rule is over. The martyr dies and his rule begins, said Soren Kierkegaard.